Welcome, everybody. It's another wonderful Web3 Wednesday. And here we are again on Press a Play, brought to you by GAM3.gg. <laughs> and as always, I am joined by my co host, Gaspode. Hello. Fantastic. Lots of energy coming through today. And we're going to be diving into crafting decentralized game universe with proof of play and the boys from Pirate Nation. So let's start with Amit. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, um, just checking. You guys can hear me. Yes, sir. Loud and clear. All right. Amazing. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so my name's is I'm the CEO of Proof of Play. Um, we started this company back in 20, like at the end of 2021, um, and we build on-chain games. Um, on-chain games are games where all of the game logic and the, uh, the game state is stored on a decentralized blockchain. And um, the benefit of that is that, um, you know, these games last forever. Um, I got to this point uh, over, you know, multiple decades in the gaming industry. I was uh, at Epic Games. I worked on Gears of War and then Real Engine. I left and started a, a social gaming company um, called My Mini Life, which was acquired by Zynga. Um, we were the folks behind Farmville and Cityville and a bunch of the, the, the big Facebook games back then. Um, and then in between that and now, I was uh, at a bunch of really smaller, less, lesser known things uh, focused on like growth marketing for games, um, a company called Fig, which was doing crowdsourced funding for games. Um, and uh, I also have a venture fund. I was investing heavily in VR, AR, mixed reality, metaverse stuff, computer vision, that kind of thing. So have really been kind of all over. Um, and uh, got my start in crypto back in uh, 2013 uh, when I, I lost some money in Mt. Gox. So I have that, add that achievement to my list. Um, and then, uh, you know, had an NFT, game, NFT marketplace company called Rarebits, uh, which uh, was very early to the game. Um, and we were around for about two years and we tried a bunch of things to, you know, make NFTs work and ultimately uh, just uh, quit right before the big boom. So the timing wasn't great there, but, uh, you know, lessons learned. So, um, so yeah, so if, if you kind of look at my history, like everything that I've been working on over the last couple decades has kind of converged to this moment. And... Um, I'm really utilizing, you know, lessons learned from from all of all of my career in, in this company, and um, yeah, happy to talk about it. Sounds awesome. You've got a very impressive uh, career behind you, and I assume in front of you as well. Looking at what you've already brought to the space that I've managed to see so far. So let's start off with some basic little what is questions. So let's start simply with what is proof of play. Yeah, so Proof of Play is a game company that is just building fun on-chain games. Um, a side effect, an externality of us having to, you know, build these games and figuring out how to build these games is that, you know, we're also creating technology. So, uh, you know, we're a 20-ish person venture-backed startup, um, you know, distributed mostly in, in U.S. time zones. And uh, we're building our first game, Pirate Nation, which is an on-chain pirate-themed uh, casual RPG. And um, the goal of the company is to to build these new types of games and to really kind of push the boundaries of 
you know, what does it mean to create, you know, completely trustless and decentralized products that um, don't really, you know, have the complexity that blockchain products technically, you know, usually do. And so, uh, you know, that's the reason we're leading with fun. My belief is that if you build fun games first, um, people will just play the game. And then over time, you can help them discover why does, you know, something like an on-chain game matter? Why, why do I care if, um, you know, I actually own the assets in my game? And, and so I, I'm a belief that like almost all the things that people put in front of the users right at the start um, are really meant to be kind of like elder player features, um, something that you discover after you're just like already hooked on the game itself. So, um, so we're a game studio. That's the TLDR of it. And it's as if you've been reading our questions. There's so many threads on there that we will definitely be circling back to. But to continue with the kind of what is questions as an initial introduction, you touched on it there already. But can you tell us a little bit about Pirate Nation, who we have up on stage? Yeah, so Pirate Nation is our first game. Um, you know, it's we actually started building this game in, uh, you know, again, early early 2022 and the first version of the game was kind of like you know at the time there was like wolf game and and, and a bunch of these like kind of other um on-chain game fi type games and we, we were really intrigued by those because i was like oh this is like a new type of game like the you know there's games that are um uh like like traditional games right now like you know you go and you, you play the game but like if you look at kind of these game fi games like uh, a lot of the gameplay happens not in the game itself, but like on Twitter or on Discord or on you know like you know with within the the, the marketplace uh, the marketplace where the items are trading. And uh, so, Pirate Nation is a you know started off as kind of like a really simple RPG where like you know you have a pirate NFT, you go uh, go on quests, you level your NFT up. Um, which then give you access to more quests and more loot, and you can then craft that loot into into items that help you, you know, kind of continue on your journey. Um, but over time, it evolved, and you know, the first version of the game wasn't visual. There was like no like three D world or anything like that. But we just decided the game wasn't fun enough. So, so we kind of have this vision now for it, where um, it's a you know fully realized three D voxel world. Um, you have your pirate crew. Um, you go and you battle, you know, various creatures. Um, you become uh, a better pirate captain. You, you level up as you did before. But now, you know, we're starting to introduce uh, these ideas of, like, competition with other players. We're running an event right now uh, where players are competing with each other. Um, but really, it's, um, you know, we're, like, really pushing this idea of, like, okay, you have your character and, and your crew, but then you're in this kind of shared space with all of these other people. What kind of really cool things can we do there? What kind of new types of gameplay can we introduce? Um, so in that way, it's it's a sandbox as well for both game design ideas and also technical ideas. And so we're having a lot of fun building it. And every week we launch new features. So we've done about like 40-ish releases um, since we launched the game back in December, 2022. And so if, if you do the math, it's like almost every single week we've had a update to the game and we're continuing to do so. 
That sounds amazing. I like the uh, part you mentioned there about um, before the visuals we see now, you didn't think it was fun enough and you decided to go the voxel route. And I must say, it's one of the most adorable games to play. Um, I do enjoy just walking my little pirate around the island in his, his fancy pirate waddle that he does. So I'm very appreciative that you did decide to go down this graphical route and have something more visual for the people to look at. You touched on it slightly there about how you've had 40 um, updates released and it's kind of like sandbox game where you can start building other things in what type of other game modes are we likely to see within the pirate nation universe as you build on yeah i mean the obvious ones are pvp right you're building up your ship we have a really great combat system which is like a card battler type system um so you know that that's that's pretty obvious we're going that way um in fact we have a public roadmap so for folks that don't know we've We've been very public and it's like a notion doc kind of thing. It's like our internal roadmap, just like publicized really. Um, and so we have everything on there. So we have like uh, exploration, PVP. Um, the thing to note though, is that the team itself, we're like, you know, we're like old school gamers, right? Like we've done a, we've played a lot of games. I, I went all the way through Final Fantasy 14. I was max level in WoW. Um, you know, we've, we've played almost all, the, you know, what would be considered game of the year candidates um i i still play genshin like you know we're we are consumers of the type of experiences that we want to add on to and 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 and, and re, you know kind of grow uh, evolve right and so so when i when i look at like where we're going um and in this and you know i'm sure we'll talk about this later when we start talking about on-chain game and composability but really the way that i think about it is that Pirate Nation can actually have every type of game mode in it. And I know that's a bold statement. It's a broad statement. But, um, you know, that's how we think about it. Is that like, well, you know, there's no... It's like Fortnite, right? Like Fortnite is a kitchen sink universe. Pirate Nation is a kitchen sink game. And so we're going to continue just to evolve and think about the types of cool things that we can put into the game. Um, obviously, without breaking the economy and all that other stuff. But... Um, but like you know, we're really we're really open. Like there's there's a world in which like we add like I don't know like a poker mechanic or something to the game where you can go play poker with your with your pirates, and and like that's like you know when we think about like if it's fun for the players and it fits within the universe and something that's within our technical capabilities, it's on the table for us to do. But in the near term, you know, to answer your question very succinctly, PvP and exploration are I would say the two things that are, they're on they're coming soon. Um, along with like greater progression mechanics, which we have, are not ready to talk about just yet, but we'll be in there soon. And I've really enjoyed the updates. I've been dipping in and out and the change that you mentioned of kind of changing how the ship battles work. I'm a big fan of that. I've been uh, enjoying fighting with my little skiff. I still have the first, um, first boat, but I did yesterday manage to clear all the gauntlet with him. So I'm pretty proud of my little boat. Um, but to kind of go in towards the um, on-chain bit that you mentioned, why was it important for you to be building this game on-chain in the first place? So when I think about, um, you know, if we look back, like, I, you know, Farmville, let's take Farmville, for example, um, 300 million people played that game. And um, in 2020, the Flash, which was the technology that Farmville was built upon, uh, was deprecated. It was no longer supported by mobile phones. And so the game was shut down. And those 300 million players, you know, investment 
their you know billion hours that were invested into that game uh, were just wiped out. And so, so the first thing that led me to on-chain gaming was permanence. This idea that like, well, can we create something that outlives us, that outlasts us? Sorry, I got a newborn in the background here. Um, so, uh, so, so basically, um, uh, you know, as um, I, let me let me let me catch my catch my thought thought pattern again. Uh, so, so when I, when I looked at the uh, you know like the idea of permanence, um, there was this idea that as we create you know new as we create products. Um, can we actually hand over control and the ability to sustain those products to the players that are most invested in them, right? And invested doesn't have to mean like monetarily, it can mean like time. And so with Farmville, we had players who were super hardcore players. They never missed a session. It was like a, a core part of their, like, you know, their routine. It was a way for them to lightly connect with their friends but like because it made, no, it made no business sense for the company and were to continue to operate the game, it, just, it was gone. And um, and, and you, if you've been in gaming for any period of time, you've seen like especially for online game modes, things are shut down and like communities are destroyed. And I, I think that's like just like it, it, it's really kind of unfortunate because it doesn't have to be that way. So, you know, if you spend any time in our Discord, our community is amazing. Like if for some reason it doesn't make sense for us to maintain the game anymore financially, like there should at least be the opportunity for people to be able to pick up the pieces and keep going with it. And so you take that idea and you push it to the extreme, right? And you start to get to this idea that like, well, if we allow, you know, if we kick off the creation of the game, but then other people can continue to add to it, they can, they can create the, their own clients. We open source you know, like all of the client technology, not just the, you know, not just the, the blockchain code, then it's possible for those people to take the torch and continue to carry it on, presuming someone cares, right? So really all we need to do as a company is create something that people care about and then give them the tools to continue to sustain it. And so that's why we're building on-chain games is because it's, it's like a return to this idea of like, player-owned communities and this idea of like modability we essentially lost that right like i got my start in gaming through doom and quake and because id software had the foresight to be able to, to give the tools to the players so it's funny there's a there's a there's a interview with john carmack where he talks about um you know this idea that like wolfenstein doesn't really have a modding community because like the tools themselves weren't like broad enough but then with Doom, there's people still creating new Doom clones. They keep porting it to new platforms. And that's because they gave everyone the ability to do that. But as we moved from this, like, you know, downloadable software paradigm to, like, games as a service, especially mobile games as a service, we lost that ability. So on-chain games is a return to this idea of open and decentralized creation and remixability and modability that we lost when we kind of transitioned from kind of offline downloadable games to and PC games to like mobile games and these like games as a service. 
Yeah, I love what you started with there of the idea of you wanted to build something that would outlive you and things being on chain, even if people don't care enough to continue it. If you guys stop that legacy of what they did will still be there and be able for people to be seen. And the option of someone caring enough, even if it's just a few of them to carry it on, if this does come to a stop is I think it's very good. And you do make a good point of they lost the the modding side. I think that's one of the, my favorite things about still being a mainly PC gamer and the steam workshop and being able to just look at some of the mods people make for games personally rimworld has the best modding community that i've ever seen the amount of stuff they've added to that game is unreal so if we're thinking of pirate nation it has the ability to introduce any sort of game loops or game genres into it as long as it makes uh, thematic sense within the universe do you plan to or need to make anything outside of pirate nation because obviously you're bigger than just pirate nation itself you are proof of play so is there plans for proof of play to have more games even though pirate nation could potentially house all types anyway uh that's a great question so when i pitched this company i didn't pitch as a games studio i pitched it as a game studio um and the idea behind that was that because everything is on chain, everything is every game we create is open read and arguably part of the same database, right? And so, like, if I were to draw a comparison, it's like you know, if you think about like how Marvel got created, they went and they essentially created you know Iron Man or um, or Spider Man, and in doing in creating that first character, they basically created the the Marvel universe. Right. And but, you know, you can have different writers create different characters, but they all they're all entry points into the Marvel universe of characters. So when I think about our I think about Pirate Nation, it's like, OK, Pirate Nation is like one kind of entry point to the proof of play universe. And, um, you know, if we go and we create like Ninja Nation in the future or we create something that's completely different. Right. You know, we go and create like a Fall Guys type game or or even like uh, I mentioned poker as, as an example you know arguably all of that data is part of the same pool of data right so your pirate nation character is by default in your ninja nation game it's by default sitting at your poker table right and so you know the way to think about it is that like players can enter this universe of games through many different entry points but they're actually playing in the same pool. So, so when, when you start to kind of view it from that lens, you also realize that player-created universes, you know, player-created mods are also part of the same pool. So we don't actually have to create all the games. We just have to create the, the space for many people to, to be able to create within. And by default, they're all they're interconnected. And so this is why we're actually we're building on the Ethereum Ethereum common blockchains as well is because this, the data is available to all other Ethereum applications. And so, you know, when when I think about like, you know, block space, it's really we're creating together. We just happen to be creating a pirate game. You know, someone else create a, you know, an, an, an ape NFT, but those ape NFTs, there's no reason we can't pull those in. And that idea of interoperability is super powerful especially when you apply it to games, because you end up realizing that like, we're all just playing the same game. Yeah, I like the idea of that, especially when you mentioned on the end there of the interoperability and picking a chain based on 
what has the most data is the way I kind of look at it and when I'm thinking about that. And you said that you pitched it as a game studio part instead of a games studio. <laughs> I do like the subtle difference in the wording there as well. And talking of how you guys pitched it, um, one of your workers did go on about how he managed to get a huge following here on X just by raising or being part of a company that raised $33 million. So we're going to have to ask the big question of what is $33 million getting spent on at the moment? Yeah, that's that's uh that's funny yeah adam's got away with words um so uh um basically i mean just uh, we're, we're we're a startup you know we uh who knows what it's funny bitcoin's up i guess a bit but it's not something we really pay attention to um i i think like for us it's really just like we're taking a big swing we're building products that are like haven't really existed before there's a lot of technological risk um, so it's just studio operations. We're not like, you know, I'm not going to go buy a Super Bowl ad or anything like that. Like we're just, you know, heads down, building great products, um, hiring great people. Um, and I, I, you know, it's the, the fundraise. I, I, I think I, I've, I've been through the grinder enough times as a, as a starter founder, like the, the fundraise is the starter pistol. It's not the, it's, it's not the, you know, the success, the measure of success. In fact, if anything, all it does is, is set the stakes way higher for what it means to be successful. And so, you know, very, you know, very simply, we're just, we're using it to build great games and, and make sure that we have enough time to do so. I think that's a sensible way of doing it. And I definitely look forward to seeing how it helps you guys develop. And then looking sort of, a bit wider in the space, but sticking on the, the idea of creating games on chain, whether it's yourself or kind of someone else using what you've already started. Do you see there being a limitation around what genres can be on chain? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and something that we, I mean, so I think yes, but also no. So well, let me give you the, the nuanced way. Um, if what you're doing is taking every move and making it a transaction on chain, then yes, there's a limitation, right? I can't like, if I'm playing a first person shooter, I'm not going to update my position on chain, you know, constantly. It's just going to be too slow to do so. However, what I could do is take the entirety of that match, which happened off chain, create an entire set of inputs and then do one transaction, which verifies that all the inputs were correct, and then have all the players in that match sign off on it. So another way to think about it is that um, it's possible where, you know, in real time, you're essentially putting every, and this is how Pirate Nation works today. Every time you take an action, it just does a, an on-chain, like, uh, transaction. But if, you, if we went and said, hey, we're going to, like, take Smash Brothers and put that on-chain, we would take the the input list of that match. We would have both players sign the input list saying that, yes, this is what happened. And then we'd put that on chain. So in that way, what we could do is use use the blockchain as a, um, as a record of play state, right? And a validator of play state um, without actually having to make put every single move on chain. And so like you're starting to get to the edges of like where 
this technology is, which is how do you actually start to scale this stuff, right? Like there was just an announcement today. Um, Mythical has like 3 million users and NFL rivals. Like you can't get 3 million users right now on one of these shared state, these shared chains. It's just not going to work. So you actually need to do, start to do things where you like split up where the users are, are playing, um, how often they're writing to the chain and all these other things in order to actually get the game to, the game to actually scale to those user numbers. Um, but my take on it is that it is possible eventually to have like all match states stored on chain, um, even if it's not happening in real time. Uh, that was definitely a setup question because I did hear you on the um, podcast recently where you gave that answer and I really enjoyed it. So I definitely <laughs> I wanted it to be shared again because personally I was always that I just couldn't see the use case for certain genres. But the idea of it being more like a validator definitely opens it up to other ones. I know, for example, um, AI Arena, who we've talked to before, they're kind of like you say, the whole match and all the moves is stored on chain. And you could go back and rerun the whole thing and see that it was exactly as it kind of played out. And I think that's a very interesting way of using it on games where like you don't want to sign a transaction every time you fire a bullet in an FPS and no one will go back and look. So it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, I would of, actually go I would go a step further. And I, 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 I think... Um, you can start to get to some really interesting things there, right? Like, for example, think of the chess world. Like, it's possible to actually look at the provenance of, like, a, someone's entire match history and be like, why is this person rated at what they're rated at, right? And actually have the signatures and the validation. So, you know, one of the benefits of building um, ancient games is that it's actually provably fair, right? Like, you can, you can look at everything is open in, in that way. So... And, you know, if both parties have signed off on saying this actually occurred, there's no way to, like, in the future, like, retread on that stuff. And so you start to actually get to rankings, which are, like, I mean, you can start to have, like, real legitimacy in, in, in rankings. And there's, like, less concern about, like, did someone cheat or whatever, because you can go just go look at the entire history and, and it's all public, just like the, you know, the store value applications for this tech. So it's... It's it's really it's really powerful when you just think about kind of it from like match fairness and and um, competition rankings and and uh, you know player history. And I like the idea of the kind of transactions. And what, one thing we see a lot currently is we've got a lot of people here for the tech, so tech maxis, and people are always like, oh, but you can go and check the transactions on Etherscan. Someone can go and look, but no one's really doing that. So what I like in Pyronations. And I'm just wondering if it's something you're going to be using as part of the, the educational side that you kind of mentioned is that you show all the transactions for the game in the game in a nice fashion that me as a player without being a tech maxi can understand. So do you see that as kind of a way of bringing education around how the chain's actually working to maybe people who came in from the game side rather than the tech side? Yeah, I mean, I, I also think about it like, you know, I've, um, uh, like, I play Genshin, which is a gotcha game, right? And, like, every time you you roll there, you're like, huh, um, am I, like, about to hit pity or not? So part of it is just, like, I just like seeing a history of everything I've done. Um, but, you know, we, we try to hide the complexity. It's like, if you want to scratch the surface and, like, go deeper, it's there. Right. So like, you know, in the game itself, it's just it's just what's the history of your player? I mean, actually, that feature in particular, where it came from was this idea that like 
when you're playing a game, you're writing a story. You're writing the story of your character, right? So when you when you're playing as Pirate One Two Three, and Pirate One Two Three goes and like you know goes on this quest or like fights this boss or like earns this achievement, that's the history of that character, and and your gameplay is writing and creating that history of that character. So it's uh, one of the things that we did internally was it took um took like a um, the, that, that history, like the transaction history put into GPT and had it write a story about your pirate. Right. So like one way to think about all of this stuff is that we collectively through our gameplay are writing the history of the pirate nation universe. And that transaction history that, you know, is yes, it's the kind of technical idea of what's happening on chain, but what those transactions represent your achievements, your conquests, your, you know, your economic activity, all of this stuff is like filling in the texture of the world as it's doing the storytelling. And over time, we can take that data and we can start to like actually craft it into more comprehensive narratives. So EVE Online is a great example of a game that's done this, right? They've gone and taken these universes and then they have emergent player universes. Now there's like a history of EVE Online where there was like subterfuge and like, there was these corporations and they like, you know, that they would like fight each other. And there was like espionage within these corporations. It was just like, this is really cool. Like it's much more human. Right. And like, that's like, you know, as players, we want novel experiences. So to me, the actions of the game are just the, that's the starting point. That's the building blocks, which you start to create these player driven narratives. So right now we're running this event where there's three forgotten gods and players are competing with each other to like, basically who can pay the most tribute to their given god of choice and there's been a bit of back and forth on it and like for a while there was like one god was in the lead and then you know then this other team like had secretly been accumulating a bunch of idols and then they like dropped them all at once and then took the lead and then you know then we put some stuff into the game where you could like sacrifice your idols like just to like throw people a loop and like it's really interesting because like an entire discord was set up just to like you know you essentially uh, coordinate the different teams. And we didn't plan any of that. That was the players like creating their own gameplays, this idea of emergent gameplay. And, um, and so our goal is just give you, give the player base as much kind of like kindling so that they can spark the fire of, of fun. And um, the transaction history is part of that, but also the education. So yeah, we, We'll get into that in a second, but yeah, that's the the TL, the the like the long, not the TLDR, but the long form version of that of the question you asked. I love um, a lot of what you said there. I need to keep make sure I keep everything in check in my head while I congratulate you on all your knowledge. Uh, my first one is about the idea of um, like I call them either historically historical or legacy type stuff where you then go back and see all of the data that has happened to something and you were describing it the idea of having your pirate and putting all his transactions in chat gp and spitting out a story i'm imagining in the in the voice of thomas was alone i would find that super enjoyable to find out what my pirate was doing um and then moving towards uh what you said there Oh, I've forgotten. I've forgotten the second point I was going to, but it was also good about what you were mentioning and bringing the educational stuff on um, later. And, oh, that was it. 
Eve Online, um, I like what you were mentioning at the end there, where people made a Discord for the stuff you guys are running at the moment. I think anybody that didn't experience Eve Online during its its heyday back back when, it's still pretty popular now, but I think this was a few years ago when I was into it. I don't think people quite comprehend the amount of work people were putting into a game such as Eve Online and how if that type of game comes and works well in Web3 and you have all the data on chain back and everything that happened, it will be fantastic because Eve was basically a second job and a second company that you belong to. But talking of Eve and it being a more a traditional game, how do you plan to utilize like gasless and free to play? And are you leveraging this to get more non web three natives involved or currently, in my opinion, if something is talking about how it's all on chain, I think it is harder to bring non web three natives in, but are you trying to leverage this anyway? Yeah. I mean, short answer. Yes. Uh, long answer. I, I don't actually think it's hard to bring people along. Um, I think we, we can basically mask it such that like you don't even realize you're playing an on-chain game, right? I, th I think like it's gotten to the point where, um, I mean, play, like this is just storage technology at the end of the day. Like, yes, there are benefits that, again, come later in, in the gameplay in, in the kind of the user journey. But like um, if, as long as, you know, from, from our perspective, the way that we think about it is just like players going to come in, they'll click login with Google or Discord or Twitter, and then they're in the game. And so, you know, our belief is that um, we can use uh, through a lot of really hard product development work, um, uh, through a lot of really hard product development work, we can um, hide and mask the complexity from users. And um, so the free to play side of it, that was, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's the only way to go because expecting people to buy like a really expensive NFT or whatever to play a game is like ludicrous. That's like 2021 thinking, you know? Um, and uh, I think we need to evolve past that. And so, um, you know, for us, like I believe like, like the, the main distribution is going to come from app stores. So it's going to come from, you know, Steam and Epic and iOS and Android. And um, in order to actually release the game there, we're going to have to, you know, compete with other games that are on those platforms, which means that it can't be hard to play, can't be complex to play, can't be require a bunch of technical knowledge or be too expensive. And so, so you know, our goal is to essentially, um, again, just build fun games that are easy to play and, you know, free to play and, and, and let the, you know, let the, the product speak for itself. And I think we can build fun games. I think we already have to be to some degree. I, I mean, we're getting there. I know I, our lead designer Vernon's in the audience here. And I, I think he'd agree with me. Like we're like, we're like scratching at fun. I wouldn't, I don't know if we're there yet, but like, and we have high bars for ourselves. So like, um, but I, I think we're starting, we, we have some fun elements. I'd agree. There's some fun elements. And I, I know I've been enjoying the bits of it going through and I definitely see a few people in the crowd who are you now are always talking to me about Pyronation. Shout out to Pyro Murdoch. Um but if we look to the kind of future, what are you excited for in the next three to six months? Um definitely PvP. Um I I think that it's uh I think the mobile app is another one that's pretty exciting to me just because like uh I was 
it's it's funny. I was with my wife yesterday. She's playing the game, but we're, we're both like, oh, like if, if the game was on our phones, we'd be playing right now. Um, and so there's this idea that like I think the game lends itself to mobile really well. In fact, I have a I have a beta running on my phone. Um, but uh, you know, I definitely the um, de- definitely like just being able to kind of play play everywhere. Um, exploration is really interesting too. Uh, but really, I, I, I'm, I, I think that like, you know, we're, we're about to like, we have, we've, we've been slowly improving a bunch of our underlying infrastructure as well, um, which will allow us to move faster. I know this is like a crazy statement given the speed that we're already releasing stuff at, but like as a CEO, you know, my goal for the team internally is how do we just increase our, our, what's known as our cycle speed. How do we get faster and faster and faster at developing, uh, you know, new features, launching new content? How do we enable the non-technical members of our team to be able to be empowered to to put content on chain and without like needing the the engineering team involved? And um, this is something I learned from Epic is that like if you build really great tool chains and processes, you can ship products a lot faster. So I have a bold statement, which I've made before, which is I think it's possible to actually build on-chain games faster than off-chain games because you don't have to worry about servers and all these other things. And it really comes down to can you actually make the development of on-chain games easier? So what's hidden from most of our player base right now is we've been investing a lot of time and energy into our underlying infrastructure and our underlying tool chain. And that only allows us to ship things faster. So Here's a here's a, here's an interesting thing on those has has been shared before. The event that we're running right now, this like forgotten gods event, there was no engineering involvement at, in it at all. It was completely designed and launched by our non-technical game team. So they essentially designed all the content, they designed the art, they used our tools to you know, essentially configure everything and then launch it. So if they're able to do it, you can imagine that there's no reason that they should be the only ones able to do this. Like in the future, it's possible for our community members to be able to launch events too. And so, you know, we start to, we're starting to get into that world where like, you know, we're enabling people other than smart contract developers to be able to create decentralized experiences. And this is like insanely powerful. Like, you know, um, if you think about like what WordPress did for the internet in terms of being able to enable anyone to be able to publish content to the internet, I think like, you know, ga- uh, web three gaming is, is, you know, we're all kind of trying to find that moment. And I think like, you know, we're, we're having a lot of fun working on that stuff too. And hopefully our contributions will help us help the entire ecosystem get there. Yeah. A lot of things you're mentioning there. I'm a huge uh, believer in uh, firstly, you guys move into mobile, Huge believer in that. Your game would look fantastic on mobile, and I think it's very suited for uh, just pulling out your phone when you've got a little bit of time to kill as well, rather than always having to start up your PC. And then the idea that even the non-technical side of people can be involved and build something and launch an event with you guys um, is awesome as well. User-generated content is fantastic and everything along that sort of lines. And both of those two elements really play into one of my main things that I like to see in the web3 space which is inclusivity so everybody 
can everybody can join in everyone can try and do what they want whether it's as a player or contributing to how a map looks or building content around it i just love the way that everybody can just be involved regardless of who they are outside of this web3 world um so with all that and all these fun things you guys have got coming up in the near to late future, where is the best place for people to follow and keep up to date with everything that you guys are doing? As you've already mentioned, you've updated the game a lot already. So where should people be watching to make sure they're aware of what updates have happened and everything like that? Yeah, I'd follow the Pirate Nation Twitter, uh, which is in the in, in, in the chat with us right now. Um, um, if you want to get more involved, I highly recommend joining the Discord. We have a really just like surprisingly for the space positive, rational community of players, um, and really just genuinely optimistic. You know, that's like kind of the vibe that we're going for is like optimism, positivity. You know, and it's just generally good vibes, right? Like we're just trying to create cool stuff and and see where this where this all goes. And um, so, if that sounds like you know your jam, come join us, right? Like, um, you know, most of us are active in the Discord. We take tons of suggestions from the community. We're there like literally every day, just interacting. And this is a collaboration. And um, definitely, you know, the stuff that's gone been happening in the Discord has affected the gameplay. That's the whole point, right? Um, and so we're, we're, we're really excited to welcome more people to the community, um, in that way. Uh, finally, uh, you know, follow, uh, the proof of play Twitter as well for more like company ecosystem level updates. Awesome. It sounds fantastic. I've literally just joined your discord as apparently I wasn't in there already. And I assume that's because I didn't have nitro at the time and every game has a discord. So I'm going to go in there and I'm going to check out some of these, these scallywag vibes that I've just had to go through to be able to enter as well. So before we close out, do you have anything else you want to say to the listeners? Uh, I'm just like very grateful that people care, you know, at all like, or paying attention. I, I think that the stuff that we're doing um, is representative of, you know, tons of really hard work of um, obviously our team and, and the, the folks that I get to collaborate with every day. Um, but also just like, um, you know, I, I think there's like some, there, there's like a, a hint of optimism here and we may hit a wall. Like we're building products that don't exist yet and, and if you think about like scaling blockchains like we're just like we're on the cusp of this stuff right and i really do believe that like you know if that this is the evolution of games and this is the evolution of game development because um the games themselves like we we think about it this way is like people don't play fortnite because fortnite is the best game ever created they play fortnite because that's where their friends are right that's where their community is so Fortnite has like turned into this third place. It's like instead of like hanging out on a couch playing, you know, video games at someone's house, you're on this virtual couch, you know, with your headset on and you're just kind of, you know, you're, you're just doing whatever is in Fortnite at the time. And now Epic has gone and started to make it like this like metaverse type concept. Um, so from our perspective, that's really cool. Um, but if for some reason Fortnite goes away, the community goes away too. And so really our, our view is that the games themselves are just a way of bootstrapping community. It's a way of bringing together people um, to interact with each other, to build something together, to play with each other, et cetera. Right. And so like 
I think the community is the point at the end of the day. And, you know, so if, if this is interesting to you, like, you know, we're hiring folks, we are bringing folks onto our team directly. So if you're a programmer or an artist um, or like a product manager, like reach out, um, you know, we're a small team, we're looking for great people. And um, even if you're not like join our discord, get involved. Um, we're going to start opening up more of our development tools so you can contribute to the game. Um, you can collaborate with us in other ways. And, you know, we're building this together and um, we're excited to collaborate with you too. That sounds fantastic. And yes, your Discord is popping. I've merely said hello, scallywags or something along that line. And I have had many a GIF and <laughs> emoji sent back in my direction. And I do like the point you were raising there about Fortnite is a game to bootstrap a community. And I would thoroughly agree with that. The Discords I've been in the longest have not been necessarily to do with the game, but more to do with the people I have been playing various games with as well. So I love that sort of idea you're mentioning there so uh, as for everybody else we're going to start rounding up but i'm just going to hand over to gaspode for his last words yep do lots of web3 content lovely chatting to everyone today and i am playing pirate nation on stream tonight so come check me out i am keep reminding myself not to spend my energy or do my battles while I'm at the computer today, because otherwise the stream would be very dull because I wouldn't have anything left, but I have managed to save all my energy. So I'll be a pirate tonight. Yar, head over down to Felix's stream to watch him be a pirate. See? So for everybody else, thank you all for coming along. Thank you, Amit, for coming up and being with us today and the rest of the Pirate Nation crew that I can see with your cute little emojis, cute little emojis, cute little PFPs in the crowd as well. I will definitely be jumping back into Pirate Nation. I've touched a little bit on the new modes you have, but nothing deeply. So I'm going to be taking another look at that as well myself at some point. So I will be there with my peg leg and eye patch. If you are joining us late, oh no, don't worry. You can listen to this as a podcast later on the prime podcast locations of which there is four that I'm not stalling to remember. Google, Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. Or you can head over to games.gg and you can see news, guides, reviews, and everything to do with games there and be able to find some streams and some podcasts of ours and other people's to listen to as well. So once more, everybody, big thank you for coming along. This wouldn't be the same if no one was listening to me talk. So I will see you all next week, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of the week. And thank you, everybody, once more. Goodbye. <laughs>